Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and after a sort of slight hiatus, uh, we were on the Extra Inch last week, which I'm sure most of you listened to anyway, so you probably heard us there. But if you haven't, go check us out. I think it was a fun conversation. But we're back, and we got a fun game to talk about. But before that, we have some podcast business. Uh, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, because we are very good boys who deserve it. And also follow our Twitter feed, at WDR Podcast. Uh, that is WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. I am joined, as always, this week by my two stunning co-hosts. Uh, first up, we have from the wilds of Atlanta, Georgia. It is Ben Daniels. Ben, uh, have you been uh, negged since Wendy did it to us last week? Or is that the only sort of emotional abuse you've experienced uh, lately? Yeah, I mean, since since that emotional trauma that I experienced, I haven't been able to bring myself to see anybody else to be nagged. So I'm just finally getting over that today. <laughs> well, I'm glad you were able to do it for the podcast. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Next up we have uh, coming to us from the uh, slopes of uh, Florida. It is Brian Ashlock. Brian, what was negging in your rep- repertoire when you were single? I'm not handsome enough to neg anyone. Um, so, no, it was not something that, uh, that I had in my repertoire. Well, speaking of negging, uh, we, have, we have Tottenham Hotspur's last game to talk about, which certainly was negative, and this is the high-quality content that you come to us for. Yeah, we had an ugly one. Uh, we lost 3-0 to Crystal Palace. Uh, that is not a good result, no matter how you slice it. Uh Ben, given that every Spurs fan I follow on Twitter has become you after this game, um, I, I want to get your opinions, but I, you know, I think you're generally, and you would agree with this, a little more harsh than your typical Spurs fan. Are you surprised that it's been such a negative reaction after this game? I was, and admittedly, I was like kind of single parenting during this game, so I don't think the full enormity of how shitty it was like really hit me because I was kind of distracted, but. I was just a little surprised how over the deep end a lot of Spurs fans were, including Spurs journalists like Alistair Gold. I mean, maybe it's because Mourinho broke his brain. I haven't seen him this negative about a result since, like, the latter days of Mourinho. So, I mean, let's start before we get to the actual game itself. How, how surprised are you by the reaction among Spurs fans to what we saw on, on Sunday? Saturday, uh, whatever know, the hell it was played, yeah. I'm just trying to block it all out. When you said that, my immediate thought was, "Oh yes, everybody does seem to have turned on Harry Winks at last." That has um, happened. That that is also a thing we will talk about. But yeah, in terms of general mood, I mean, you know, you and I talked about this after the game, and you expressed surprise that people weren't giving Nuno and Spurs more rope, um, especially having won the first three matches and we're sitting top of the table after the international break. And with a lot but, of squad issues, too. Whatever you think about the match, there's a lot of squad issues going on. They're 
some are in his control, some are not. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the thing is it's like there's a lot of excuses to make, but it also kind of feels like we've all been making excuses already. And or for two years, you know, <laughs> right? You know, I I personally have approached this season with some great skepticism towards Nuno. I know what he was at Wolves. You know, I know that, that he could play effective football, but I know it's boring football. And, you know, we're once again being asked to kind of make this bargain with pragmatism um, at the expense of excitement in the name of, well, it's going to pay off in terms of results. Um, and I think as soon as it stopped paying dividends in terms of results, you know, people already had to make that Faustian bargain with Jose Mourinho. And we all kind of knew we were doing it again. Um, I guess I'm a little surprised to see people as as willing to knee-jerk and swing their pendulums the way I, I am. Um, but I don't think people are, like, are wrong. I mean, I think, you know, we were sold a bill of goods that Nuno was going to be the attacking marvel that he allegedly was at Valencia and, you know, we're supposed to be seeing that and uh, we aren't. And it's hard to stomach that as we get our asses kicked by a team that has been so far pretty terrible in the premier league. Well, and I think there is, it's, it's worth pointing out whether it's his fault or not. There's a difference between like having a less than stellar match with a bunch of guys injured and maybe losing one nil to palace on a bad day at the office. And like, what we saw last weekend where we just got pumped. It, it, it was pretty bad, even if, like like you said, I, I can sit here and I, there's a lot of, you know, the Tanganga red card, the, you know, all the issues with the Argentines, you know, all the players we have hurt. Like, I can give you a list of reasons, but I agree with you in that, like, as rational as they might be, it's, it's I think we're all a little sick of having to make excuses, regardless of why that is. I mean, Brian, I'm sorry. I, I know I talk too much, but, you know, I just with all those excuses, Nuno still had options. He chose to come out there with a midfield of Wink, Skip, and Hoybeard. And he chose to respond to a red card by bringing on Ben Davis. And, you know, yes, his hands were tied by Dyer's injury early on, and that did eat a sub, but he never made a third sub the rest of the match. So we had 30 minutes playing a man down and and Dombele and Brian sitting on the bench and they just never saw the pitch, um, you know, and then for him to come out afterwards and be like, you know, I, I was going to bring him on, but it didn't feel like the right time. It's like, when was the right time? At w- what point between zero, zero to three nil, was there a right time? Like, surely pick a minute, man. Well, it was, I think heel was about to come on as Tanganga got sent off and it's let's assume Tanganga manages to pull an Eric Lamella and not get himself sent off it's you know it's still pretty late in the match for you know to be that conservative you know you you want to make those changes at halftime all right fine like you tried something it didn't work you thought you could maybe get away with it against Palace you couldn't whatever like you know but it's just you know, I mean, I think that's – if I'm really going to fault Nuno, I think that's where it is. Is like we, we approach this match far too conservatively, and I think you pay for it. It's it's the, They were able to kind of run ride on us, and admittedly they didn't create a bunch of good chances until we had a man sent off. But, you know, that's it's – That's not entirely true. They yeah. were up on us 
Yeah, it's Defensive not. Goals it's, had them at like 1.3 to our 0. .05 before the red card. I'm not saying we created. They were chances. out shooting us. They were better. Creating they were better, better than we us. We did nothing. We did nothing. My point is, it dropped off precipitously after the sending off, but that doesn't change the fact that we weren't creating anything beforehand. Regardless of whether or not we were playing well defensively, like we weren't creating a thing. And I mean, you know, Brian. I mean, the conversation around here is. I mean, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. It's, is this Jose Mourinho part two? Is this the same sort of thing? And, you know, I, I don't know. Where where do you fall on sort of what we're getting out of this team right now? Um, I, I guess I'm trying very hard to very firmly sit on the fence. Like, I am <laughs> – I'm I'm not happy with how the weekend went. I'm not happy about you know the the tactical plan, the substitutions, the in match adjustments. But I also am trying very hard to recognize that. Look, we've got these squad issues. You know, you're without so many of the you know your good players, and and then also you need time to like implement a style and a system and. I don't know. I, 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 I feel like I am just trying very hard to remain optimistic about it. And the actual performances are really what's holding me back from being actually optimistic, um, which is a problem, I think. Uh, so I don't know. It, it's, it's been, it's really, really hard to kind of get to grips with, the not using the third sub. I think if we'd use a third sub and brought on an attacking player, I could have talked myself in a little bit. Like, oh, we tried. We could have maybe gotten close. But, like, it's just so weird that we didn't try to do anything after going 1-0 down and then after going 2-0 down. It's just, like, I, I, I don't understand what message Nuno was trying to send by not making another change. I, I don't have a good explanation for it. I... I... I mean, I think you're right, Ryan. It is, I think, fundamentally too early. I think if we all went back and watched Pochettino his first season, which was better than this, I, I want to be clear about that. But, you know, I mean, he was really having some it, – it was very fits and starts for the first, you know, I would say until at least November. And, it, you know, the whole first season was a little bit like that. Now, Nuno is a guy with a much thicker track record than Pochettino was, so there's less to sort of hope on here. I mean, we kind of know who Nuno is. But on the one hand, you have, like you said, Brian, like we have serious squad issues. I mean, beyond anything that may or may not be Nuno's fault in terms of who he's picking, I mean, there's really serious squad issues right now that aren't his fault. I mean, we've had a not we've had a messy summer with Harry Kane. I, I mean, we're betting a bunch of guys in. He's got to implement his style. There's been a huge disruptions both to both his summer and the beginning of the season. It's like it's obviously too early to judge him, but especially in this Palace game, more so than the other games. But I think it's broadly true. There's, he's not giving you a lot to dream on. Now, I think before the Palace game, there's a little more to be positive about. But you know, the Palace game was sort of exacerbating all the problems we were seeing in the other games, being too defensive, not having a coherent plan to get forward, an inability to possess or pass the ball in a real structured way. And I do think some of those issues have to do with the squad issues that we're dealing with. I don't th- I, I think that is definitely the case, but it's just, I, you know, I, we were joking about this before the podcast. It's like, we, you know, we've been doing this for two years now, maybe longer, if you want to 
dig back into latter era Pochettino. It, it would be nice to just have something to dream on and not make excuses for. And I feel like that's where we are right now. I mean, the thing is, is like when Pochettino came in, we knew he had a very specific, very intense style of football that he needed to get the team to learn how to play. You know, we had to learn a lot of pressing triggers. We had to build fitness to understand, you know, to execute the concept of a high pressing system. Um, You know, there are a lot of moving parts and like we could see bits of that kind of gradually coalesce. Whereas, you know, with Nuno, what is his system that like we're waiting for him to implement? It's like defend tightly in a mid block protected by two midfielders and hope your dribbly guys can dribble a bit. And like, we're kind of already seeing that, you know, the only thing that could really make that better is just having the better personnel in those roles. Sure. But like by and large, you know, our defense has been fairly well organized. You know, they have been fairly protected. You know, Eric Dyer was nominated for Premier League player of the month. Um, Davidson Sanchez looks reborn. Like all those early signs of Nuno's tactics are kind of already there. Um, I'm just wondering what, What's the next level? Even once we get all these good guys in, I don't know what he needs. You know, is Brian the attacker he's been missing? Then why is Brian not getting on the pitch? Yeah, Brian. Is, you know, again, and, you know, the substitution thing is is another real head-scratcher. We've had four Premier League matches. He's only used three subs in two of them. And in both of those games, the third sub came on in stoppage time. So, you know, we have you have the ability to affect the game with changes and he's choosing not to do that. And so I, and it, you know, we've had a deeper bench than we did in this match in the past um, and has still chosen not to make, make those changes. Um, and so, you know, I think it's probably premature to say Nuno out, but if you don't like what's happening now, I'd have a hard time imagining what the, best version of this is going to look like the, the way I would look at it, the way I'm looking at it, which I don't know if it's a healthy way. And I'm trying to keep an open mind because I think all these issues are real. And I think, you know, there is something to be said for, you know, I'm not sure we're getting to a champions league final with it, but you know, like you said, Ben, like that strategy, but with a couple better players in it, you know, I mean, that it's going to be better than this. Um, you know, you want to keep an open mind. You want to see what he does when these guys are actually fit. You know, I think the midfield in particular, I am, I know you're less so, Ben, and Brian, I think you're more with me on this, but I think that Lo probably starts over Skip, or at least somebody in there, and we have more passing options if, you know, he's healthy and fit and those things are all true. I do think that'll improve the way things look, and Dombele can only improve things as well. I, but, you know, it's there is a sense of, like, one way or another, I think we all kind of know how this is going to end. And I think that's what was tiring about Mourinho. I think we all kind of knew how Mourinho was going to end. You just hope you won some stuff along the way. And you're kind of like that with Nuno, or I'm kind of like that with Nuno. It just, you know, it feels less likely. I mean, I guess maybe not with the way Mourinho's career has gone. But, you know, you just thought by virtue of his dumb luck, he would back into a League Cup or something. And, you know, it's just, I. on the one hand, I, I, I keep saying this, but, you know, we keep... We haven't really seen a co- we haven't really seen Nuno be able to field a coherent team, but it also you know I think we're starting to see what we're going to get, or at least some version of what we're going to get. 
And maybe you just throw some better players in that system and, you know, Kane gets a little more legs under him or whatever and it works out. You know, maybe it, maybe that's all it takes. But I, I feel like we all know how this is going to end and that is a little depressing. Well, and I think the thing about this match is that it didn't have to be this way. Just even from the start, like we could have set up or structured our team in any number of different ways that was not this and didn't lead to us being out-possessed by Palace, outshotted, etc. Like we went with this three-man midfield of all of our tryhards and with no creativity, no passing in the team. Um, and we moved Delhi out of the midfield where he'd been actually playing well. And, like, yes, I guess he gets to keep his spot on the field, but you put him in this role where he just doesn't have the skills necessary to succeed in that role. And, and you know, he's not – he's not – I mean, he's he's a de- he's a decent dribbler, but he's not a, a pacey winger. He's not going to carry the ball great distances for you. Um, you know, this is just all like so many bad decisions. I, it, and I think primarily it starts with the decision to move Delhi out of midfield in favor of Winks, and and in and, and not and then not playing somebody else up top. Uh, you know, whether that is Brian, whether that is, I don't know, Ndombele in a weird number 10 role, like uh, Dane Scarlett. I, I, anything would have been better than that midfield. Well, that kind of, go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say, like, whatever feelings we may have had about Oliver Skip, the midfield has broadly worked and been kind of balanced around that that three-man midfield that he's used in every other game and Delhi has had a, a very specific Delhi alley kind of role where he presses a lot works really hard makes late runs and you know contributes to the attack after the fact after the fact um but yeah to blow that part up that was working to solve a different problem on the pitch and you're in, in Sun and Bergvine being out is is just kind of perverse. It's like, why did you create a new problem in an attempt to solve a different problem? You know, if you have one, you have one hole in the team to plug, and you have Harry Winks, Tangi Ndombele, and Brian Hill as your options. To choose Winks, knowing what it's going to mean to disrupt something that was already largely working, is is just kind of asinine to me. Well, especially when I think the solution is easy. This doesn't even require a ton of thought. Like. Brian's right there. I mean, not right there in Florida, but right there in London. He's right there. I mean, he's played for you in the position. You could just slot him in where Son was supposed to be. You know, run Lucas on the other side. He brings a lot of creativity. And I understand that Brian's a child. But at the same time... Sorry, Brian. um, I understand that Heel's a child. But, like... You know, I'm sorry. That guy's, like, played... That guy's played a full season in La Liga. He was a starter at A-Bar. I mean, it's not like... He's played for – I mean, he's been in our training sessions for a while now. I mean, if – if I, I, I get that Real is – you know, he was a starter at a big club in Spain. Barcelona probably would have kept him if they weren't broke as shit. So, like, I get that he's a more seasoned player than 
heel, but at the same time, like, I mean, he had no understanding what the team was doing, and it showed, and if you're willing to start him, I just, and again, this is something that Pochettino did shit like this, lots of managers do stuff like this with younger players, maybe there's a reason for it, but I just, considering what our options were, like you guys just talked about, with how we broke up that midfield, that whatever we think about as entertainment value was at least functional, and that they broke it up to solve this other problem. When you can, it seemed like it was pretty simple, just to slot heel in there. I, mean, I, I don't like, get it. And he's he's also he started both of our you know European Conference League matches. And like, yeah, it was a little anonymous in the first game that was like played with him and a bunch of youth players. But in the second game, he was a star. He looked fantastic. You know, and it's like like I think the Emerson Royale point is is well made. You know, Nuno had the option of playing Matt Doherty there after having to shift Tanganga. Uh, at center back and you know nobody on this team knows Nuno's system and preferences better than Matt Doherty you know he's bad and Nuno seems to recognize that and chose to start the better player over the familiar player and so it's very weird that he didn't make a similar choice when it came to Brian and Winks I mean you know maybe Brian was tired from international duty sorry Brian I know it's tough on those slopes maybe he always tired on international duty because he did play for the, I think, the Spain under twenty ones. Um, but you know, Kane was starting. Like I guarantee you, he didn't work as hard as Kane did over those things. It's just, I don't know. It, it's like you said. It seemed like a solution in search of a problem. And as a result, we just made the whole. We broke up what was working about the team. Which I think, whatever else you think, if you consider that, like, Ndombele's been on the outs and. Lo Celso either hasn't been fit or been on a weird rotation. I mean, just wasn't available this past weekend considering those guys have not been sort of available or ready, I think the midfield we've run out there for all our issues with it has been a perfectly acceptable, like if you can't do the other thing, this is a perfectly acceptable plan B or just like putting a bandaid on it. And especially against palace, you know, it's just, it's frustrating that I would. And again, I think we should show a little respect to palace because they did beat us and they do have some interesting attackers. But, you know, we show them too much respect because this is that example. Like, we ran a prevent defense all game, and what's that do? It prevents winning. Like, we weren't taking the game to them. We weren't creating chances. And, you know, I think this isn't, like, some complicated system. You look at the players we ran out there, and I think, you know, I think the problems we saw were obvious as soon as that lineup was announced. You know, unless Lucas just had one of those games of his, which I don't think you can count on, you know, it was going to be a long day at the office. I mean, look, Palace ran out of midfield that was, what, Kuyate and MacArthur? Or McCarthy? I forget which one they had. <laughs> and Connor Gallagher. Yeah, and, and look, Gallagher was great. Uh, I thought, you know, he was all over the place. He did a lot of really good, cool stuff. Um, but that's not a midfield that should be controlling the game against Tottenham. Uh, you know, even if your midfield is Winks, Skip, and Hoybeard. You, the, those, your three midfielders right there are better than those three guys for Palace. Um, you know, I, it, it was personnel, it was application, there was just so many things wrong with it. And, you know, even if we weren't going to play in Dombele, which, of course, we never were, because why would we do the thing where we play our you know, most expensive signing in a position, in a game where we need him. You know, why would we do that? But we didn't have to shoot ourselves in the foot or to, like, hamstring ourselves the way we did by putting Harry Winks out there who, like, 
just doesn't do any of the things that Nuno even needs in that midfield. I mean, he he's safe on the ball. He doesn't do progressive passing. He doesn't do progressive dribbling. He doesn't make interceptions. He doesn't do tackles. Like, what is he adding to your situation? What is it you do here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'll, I will say I did notice that Harry Winks was tracking back a little bit more, and there were a few times where I saw that he was tracking runners, and he was doing a lot less pointing and shouting. So, I mean, just to, in the interest of giving him some credit, like he was doing some nice things. I think also it should, in, in Harry Winks' defense, I don't think he was meaningfully worse than Oliver Skip, who continues to be a complete null presence on the ball and is yet to offer the sort of marauding defensive work that we saw in the championship. And obviously there's a lot more to hope on with Oliver Skip, whereas Winks is already, you know, a washed-up 25-year-old. Skip has at least offered defensive cover. Whatever else you think of him, he has at least offered defensive cover in the games that we've played him. And, you know, that's not what Skip's out there for, even the most optimistic appraisal of Skip. That's not why you play him. And, you know, I, I... I feel like we say this every time because I feel like it just gets worse that Winks plays, but it's, you know, I feel like Spurs fans held out in general, not us because we're awful American and and negative, but you know, Skip or Winks rather, like I think he's every time he appears more and more Spurs fans just get are over him. And it was, you know, now the reporter like gold, I I think gold is a good barometer of the team because he's so, tied in with what the club says a lot of the time, but even gold was talking and starting to talk about like not many opportunities for him to prove that he's useful. And the only thing I can think of is he's like a dutiful soldier on the training ground in the way that Ryan Mason was several years ago for Pochettino and that he will do what he is told, or at least he will show effort. And therefore I will put him out there. And, you know, you want to throw him out in some conference league match because you just want to save some guy's legs. Like, fine okay but this is the premier league we need to i mean i know you know we've got nine we got nine points out of our first three matches but you know we're throwing points away against palace like we can't be doing this and i just struggle to like i said unless you just you need to put a body out there i i struggle to see the point of harry winks i mean i've struggled for a while but you know unless you just want a victory cigar out there so someone else doesn't get hurt i i can't think of a compelling reason to put him out on the pitch for Tottenham. I mean, just to go back to Ben's point about, you know, Skip being kind of not great in this match too. I think on the whole, I would have rather seen the Winx Sissoko midfield than this three man midfield. And maybe that's recency bias. And, um, but, but I definitely would have rather had Musa Sissoko out there than have, had to watch 90 minutes of Skip Hoybjerg and Winks. Well, we only had to watch 60 minutes of it because Jaffa Tanganga had an all-star <laughs> Eric Lamella memorial moment. No, no, uh, no, no. Eric Lamella would have done much better violence than Tanganga did there. <laughs> the first yellow was just, was choice. And, so, you know, it may have ruined the game and cost us the game, but it was easily the most exciting thing that had happened up until, like, the 60th minute. And for that, I will give him credit. So here's the um, thing. Eric Lamella would have gotten Zaha sent off. Like He <laughs> would have true. found a way. Like, if he just let him punch him. Like, it's like, keep your arms down, buddy. Like, Zaha, I mean, Zaha, his arms aren't that strong. Like, let him hit you. Like, 
you know, I mean, it was, I was blown away. And I feel like not, this hasn't been talked about enough, at least in the discourse that I've seen. It's like, that was a really flagrant foul on, on Zaha. I mean, he didn't like put like barge into him with his shoulder or go in with a hard tackle. I mean, he just straight up shoved him and knocked him over in a way that was like, I, I don't know. I was, I was sort of shocked at how blatant it was. I thought he might get a red just for that. And I think what might have saved him was Zaha trying to fight him afterwards. So they, the referee had to both sides it because what Zaha did is also not cool. But I mean, Tanganga is a guy who, I mean, man, that was, that was a dumb, I mean, that, that was dumb enough. That you, that's how you choose the foul. I don't mind a good tactical foul, which was probably what was called for right there. Cause they were breaking away without a whole lot of men back on defense, but you know, like if you're going to do a, a foul like that, you cannot do what he did like five minutes later. I mean, it was, you're begging to get sent off, which is exactly what happened. And whatever else you want to say about Spurs performance, it noticeably got worse after he got sent off. And now like Tanganga, who I don't think was awful in deep in defense before that. I mean, awful. I mean, okay, let me rephrase this. I think we'd be a lot better against Chelsea if he was eligible to start than what we're going to be able to, when we're going to have to roll out there now. I mean, do you disagree with that? No, I mean, I think the reality is, is we're going to have to play Romero and Davinson because we don't have any other options. Hopefully that, hopefully they're able to play. Um, I mean, they're back. They'll be back by the end of the week. You know, they may be tired. It may not be ideal, but they'll still, they're still better. I mean, that that's a better option than what else we could run out there. But, you know, Tanganga taking that choice away from you and certainly, like, the match fell apart after that in a way that, I mean, it really fell apart after that. It was, it was, it was a very stupid, it was a very stupid foul. It was a very bad performance by him. I just, you know, I'm amazed that it didn't wind up in a double red um, to both him and Zaha. And, I mean, that's something that, like, American sports very much are in favor of. They'll toss both players. And it seems like when you get an incident like that in in football, uh, everybody's like, all right, well, we can't eject both of you, so you both just get yellow cards. And it's just like, wait a minute, no, you, you you don't decrease the severity of both punishments just because... You don't want to punish both of them. I mean, you know, look, Tanganga does the shove. He then sort of headbutts him. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter describe it as placing his face close to Zaha's face, which (laughs) if that's what we're going to call it, he did it very aggressively. And then, you know, Zaha raises his hands, which is like Zaha came up swinging. I mean, he didn't like, I mean, Brian, you and I are, I guess all of us, we're used to seeing baseball fights in America where people just like yell at each other and don't actually want to fight. I mean, Zaha was trying to connect. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't fake fighting right there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think the the the, the fairer result probably there would have been to send both of them off just in the moment, just be like, "All right, th- this is stupid. You both have to go." Um, but then, yeah, like you said, for Tanganga to then make the decision that he did, having escaped notice, um, you know five minutes later is is just incredibly stupid, especially because he brings it on himself by dribbling the ball out of defense and then losing possession, as opposed to making an easy pass to one of the many midfielders who is just standing idly by watching him. Um, You know, I, I, it was just, it was all so stupid. And then we brought on Ben Davis who just, you know, was pointed directly at the goal and gave him a penalty, which is where it all started falling apart. 
it, it was not a good match, guys. I, there's not a lot to feel good about. Regulon had a lot of interceptions, I guess. I, yeah, I mean, Ben Davis got wrecked on all three goals. He gave away the penalty. Edward turned him the wrong direction for the second, and then he got cooked um, by Elise, I think, uh, dribbling in to set up the third. And it was just like, you don't, you don't need to bring on a new defender in that situation just because you're down to 10 men. You know, it's not, you're still going to have a man down. You have three defensive midfielders who can kind of drop into that space adding a terrible defender into the mix does not make you more defensively sound just because he has a D by his name. Um, I don't know that we'll learn that lesson, but Ben Davis certainly proved that he uh, should not have a future playing center back. For I mean, club. we just need to sell him to Everton and get it over with. Cause I, I am tired of watching managers think, you know, I mean, Ben is like that guy in the office who, everyone likes but isn't very good at his job and they all have to carry him <laughs> like no one wants to actually fire him but they probably should and it it's been time for him to move on for a while and i'm ready to see it happen that or he needs to just play in the conference league or lower league cup matches because you know i mean that was pretty like what's his hand doing out there i know i know that, that, that some of that's just dumb luck but like this wasn't like a sissoko in the champions league final where he got job by the ref like I mean, he's sticking his hand out the box. Like, what are you doing? No, he like runs the office fantasy league, and everyone's like, oh, "Well, you know, we can't, we like playing fantasy every year. I mean, how would we do that without Ben Davis?" He's I fun. At, he's around. fun at happy hour. Like... <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I disagree with Ben that you don't have to bring on a defender there because I don't I don't want to see Hoybjerg or skip play central defense. I guess those are your two options. Like, I mean, you just tighten gonna... up your fullbacks, you know, and you have... Yeah, would you, we would just go with uh, with Hoiberg, or not Hoiberg, with Regulone as being a center back, sort of? I mean, you you know, you play like a shitty back three with those three guys tightened up with one of Skip or Hoiberg covering in front of them, so you have like a pseudo, like, sweeper-stopper back four. And you just keep it tight. Like, again. Yeah, that seems like a system they would be prepared to play at a moment's notice. <laughs> I, I, you know, look, I, I just, I, I think you have to. I, I would like the system that they were clearly unprepared to play. That well, no, that's playing. just Ben Davis being unprepared to play. I, I mean, the situation is obviously complicated by the fact that you already had to bring on a sub center back early in the match. You know, with, with Dyer going down injured. Like, in, in any sort of normal world. You know, you don't need to have two central defenders on the bench because you're just not going to get, generally speaking, an injury and then a sending off uh, to two. You're starting two central defenders. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, at that point, then I think the only option that you had was to bring on Davis. Uh, I, I don't I don't think anything else makes any sort of sense. I mean, whatever you're Especially doing, you're because at that down. point, you're still level. Whatever you're doing, you're a man down, right? And so your shape is going to be disrupted some, somehow. Either you're going to have a man light in midfield, you're going to have a man light in the attack, you're going to have a man light somewhere. And so either you can sort of reshuffle the good players on your team and bring on another good player for Harry Winks, or you could bring on another bad player for Harry Winks. Like, at that point, like we hadn't created anything... We still would ideally like to beat Crystal Palace and are capable of beating Crystal Palace with 10 men. 
plenty of times better teams go a man down. Like red cards happen and it doesn't become like a, a full defensive rear guard action after the fact. Like you can still organize your team in a way to play. Like obviously it's challenging. I'm not saying it like it would be easy, but we were bad before then. We didn't do anything to make ourselves less bad. We were just trying to limit damage. And once damage started happening, we didn't take any steps to to fight back. Well, the good thing, it was just dreadful to watch. And I left and got bagels early with my son because that sucked. It was. It, it really is. You hope it's just one of those matches. I mean, we've all seen matches where it's just bad game plan and all goes wrong under lots of better managers than you know and you hope that's what it is and you hope it's not indicative of things to come the thing that drives me i think maybe most crazy about the, the, performance, the thing singular yeah i think that uh, all the things on the pitch aside you know we can monday morning quarterback all day but the fact is is after the game you know, and maybe he's just talking because that's what you do when you get asked questions after the game but nuno said we were in control until the red card and that is, I don't, I don't know what you could mean by control in that scenario when they were out shooting us, they were out possessing us. Like all that was happening was they hadn't scored a goal yet or hadn't created too many particularly good chances. Like we had done, I can't stress this enough, absolutely nothing. I don't think we'd had a shot. Like Certainly Lucas, had, a shot on Lucas had one shot from outside of the box and I think that was it. And so, you know, to look at that and actually believe, and again, again, maybe he's just talking, but if you actually believe that we were controlling that match up until the red card is, I I don't know, it just defies credulity, your point that. I mean, you're absolutely right. And it's hard to, you know, coaches just say shit. Who knows? Like, especially like, I mean, obviously Nuno's been in England for a while. He speaks much better English than I speak any language that isn't English. He's not a native English speaker, so maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. I hope that is, because if he actually believes that, or if he doesn't mean control in terms of we were in the match, then, yeah, we got some problems. But I, I, I don't know. Like, Pochino used to talk like, lots of crazy shit, too, after games, and I hope that's all it is. But it's concerning. There's no getting around that. I don't know. It's just <laughs> Crystal Palace aren't better than us and we just allowed them to do whatever they wanted for most of this match it, you know harry kane was bad i you know i don't think there hasn't been a lot of conversation about this but like he had no shots he had he had no touches know, in the le- box i mean yeah i i mean that's we talked a lot about, you know, the things that Mourinho did to sort of break the attacking patterns that Spurs used to do under Pochettino and, and the, the lack of an attacking plan under Mourinho. But at least the plan seemed to be with Mourinho, get the ball to Kane, let him find people in behind, and then, you know, Kane and one other person are in and around the box. And there wasn't even that in this match for Spurs. Like, there, were, there, there seemed to be no plan to get to get Kane the ball. And, and I mean, I think a lot of that is down to, you know, the lack of passing in midfield, like we discussed, you know, the lack of any runners to, to take up space and occupy defenders in the way that like Deli Alley arriving late when he's playing in the midfield sort of does. And, and, and 
kind of the imbalance with the 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 front three that you have by putting Delhi up there and not having another you know pacey wide player to to keep fullbacks um, from drifting narrow and and to to prevent Kane from getting doubled up on it, it just it, it was just so bad. I mean, you just hope they learn. I mean, I don't know. Like, there's things I fully understand. There are things that managers know better than we do in terms of they know if players are fit. They know if players are ready for a game. I mean, I I totally get that. that there's not everything we know, but it's just more so in this game than any others. There just seem to be a lot of dumb decisions that, like, any of us who are not great football minds could have told you, ooh, boy, that's probably not going to work. And, you know, the way we set up was not going to create a lot of service for our strikers. So I don't know what we were doing. Uh, maybe they thought Emerson, Emerson Royale was going to bring a lot into this game. But, I mean, he looked lost. I mean, he looked like a guy who just joined the team and hadn't played with these guys a lot because they just got back from international break. I'm not worried about him long term because I've seen enough of him over the years that I know he's a quality player. But... I mean, that's a guy who needs time on the training pitch with his new teammates. And, you know, if the choice is between him and Matt Doherty, i probably still pick him. But, you know, I don't know what the attacking plan was. I think it was the same attacking plan we've always had. Hope Lucas can dribble. <laughs> oh, boy. Um Well, on that note, I believe we have a few questions from our listeners this week. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, Wendy's behavior really, really brought you down to exactly, it. exactly. Uh, beyond a question from Maychar, so uh, who wants to know, or Freddie at Maychar, so who wants to, you know, he wants to know if my mic is at ear shattering levels. I, I hope not. Um, I'm trying to address that. He also wants Ben, you got to bring the crickets back, you know, sitting in your I mean, office. I'm... I'm happy, you know. I try to be professional and move inside and like minimize the terrible audio quality that everybody complains about every week. And now you're asking me to go sit outside again and bring back the crickets and traffic noises and the flick of a cigarette lighter. I can do that. I can. We can make that happen for you. That's I think. Really I think we have we to. Want. We have to create a Patreon tier for that. We have to create a Patreon and a tier for. They got to reach that. Ben will bring back the cigarette lighter in this tier. The crickets in this tier. You know, I think that makes sense. Could have our secondary show every week just be smoking on the porch with Ben, <laughs> where Ben just just takes puffs of cigarettes and then explains his theories about the world and football in general. Sounds like a great podcast. Sounds like sounds like a great way to get Ben canceled. Uh, he wants to know why can't we have nice things? I don't know. I just I've just accepted that we can't. It's been a long. We got to a Champions League final, which is more than I ever thought I would see this team do, and it has been all downhill since then. Yeah, but we have Sonny, so that is a nice thing. The one the one nice thing. Yeah. We have Tongi and Donbalai. <laughs> you know, and, I, I, think, we... I think about this a lot. There was some uh, Fabrizio Romano had a thing today about we didn't love our, like, what the striker market was available this summer, so it's something we're kind of looking at for next year. And I was just, like, thinking about to myself, like, we're going to sign, like, Isaac or something. We're going to make, like, a really good signing. And it's going to go just like LaCelso and Indomitable. It's just going to go – it's exactly the kind of sign, smart signing you sign on paper. And it's just going to go completely sideways because we can't have nice things. 
Yeah. I mean, it is kind of just depressing when you look at our transfer records. The big signings are kind of all where it's gone wrong. And, like, the medium signings have, like, kind of all turned out to be pretty good. And what's frustrating is, like, I don't... Who's the last, like, big signing we made that was, like, on its face, like, stupid? Or at least, like, a big risk? Like, Celso is a good idea. Ndombele is a good idea. You know... It's Davidson, right? Sissoko. <laughs> Even Davidson gave you... Yeah, Sissoko. I mean, Lucas and, and Davidson, as much as, like, there may be somewhat of a disappointment, like... You know, you can't say we haven't gotten something out of them, like especially Lucas. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is frustrating. I mean, and look, the, the, all that sort of pressure comes with any sort of big money transfer. Like, and you know, if you if you had a player like, for example, a Davinson who you'd signed for twenty or twenty five million, you're less broken up about you know whatever his level is now. Um, and you'd be like, yeah, he's been fine for us. He's been, you know, mostly fine. and But mostly fine, and you paid, what do we pay for him, 40-something? Uh, you know, that's not great. Yeah, it's just, you, you know, this club's made a bunch of smart signings over the last couple of years that on paper are like, yep, that's exactly the kind of thing you should be doing, and just hasn't worked out, and that really does get depressing after a while. Then again, we signed Son, like... Like you said, we have the one nice thing, Brian. Hopefully, uh, other Brian, and uh, that's what we call him, other Brian. That, that could be our way of distinguishing it. Or is Brian is our Brian, other Brian? I, I don't know. I I think just based on you know relevance, I am probably other Brian. <laughs> okay, other Brian. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, you hope other Brian and. Um... And uh, no. Sar work out really. You got well. it wrong already. I know. <laughs> I, I think I think the guy who's not someone we talk to once a week has got to be other Brian. <laughs> but yeah, you, you hope those guys pop in a way that some of our other signings haven't. But we also didn't spend. You know, like I think the the, the barrier for what we consider those guys a success is a lot lower than say, Indombele or Lacelso. Um, uh, I mean, Romero is the one that has to be the success because of the money that we spent on him like he he has to turn out to be yes. actual yes he needs to be a very good center back for us for a couple of years or be very good until we sell him for a lot of money one way or the other uh kanye twitty at old greg 427 no relation he wants to know where vinicius is he refuses to look it up um we could give a real answer or we could tell them where we think vinicius ought to be I, I I need to know where he actually is. I know is. the real answer. Do you guys want to know? I mean, I know I know the real answer too. I would like to imagine he's like living in Madrid off of the other Vinicius's name, and like they're just people who don't realize it. He's just calling himself like Vinicius the Third. No, or... he just calls himself Vinicius and hopes people don't figure it out. So he just keeps getting apartments, keeps getting cars, like just like yeah, put it on his tab. Like... Vinicius Junior Junior. Exactly. This is what he goes by. Vinicius Junior the second. Uh, but he is actually. Oh. No, I was just going to say I'd like it back. He's at PSV and uh, he'll probably do really, really well there. Yeah, but he's um, also going to be like. That's his level. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe backup at Spurs is, is his actual level, but like. He's going to kill the, he's gonna kill the uh, Air Divisier and that's. 
like it. Like that's that's as good as he's ever going to be. I think. But like he was a, a legitimately good Europa League striker. It does feel like he deserves better than just getting stuck in in the Netherlands. I mean, it's that or Newcastle. Where would you rather go? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he scored 10 goals for us last year. I mean, how long has it been since we had a backup striker that hit double figures? It's got to be like Pavlyuchenko. Uh, Pavlyuchenko was last... wasn't a backup striker, was he? Uh, I mean, Pavlyuchenko, Peter Crouch, Defoe, somebody was a backup striker in that Yeah, mix. one of those guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, I like Ben said, I'm sure that he will be amazing in the Dutch League and some dumb German team will pay way too much money yeah. for him. The, 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 the true, like, warning sign will be if Sevilla buy him. Like, that's where I'll get start to get worried. But, um, yeah, and finally we have from Emmanuel Bryan, um, not that spelled a different way with an I and an O. Uh, he wants to know, so that's other, other Brian. He wants to know, with the trajectory of the club's recent managerial hires, the next logical hire after Nuno is Marco Silva, right? No, Marco Silva, far too attacking. Um, <laughs> we're looking at probably like, what, Neil Warnock? Or, I mean, I guess probably not an English manager. Big Sam. There you it's go. Big Sam's music. Yeah. I mean, when we're inevitably in a relegation fight, we will need Big Sam. Tony, Even though Tony Pulis. Come on, let's do it. Hey, do Big Sam was good enough to get Bolton into a European challenging team. He could do wonders Two for decades us. Ago. Uh, I think the I think the most frustrating thing about kind of the Nuno start has been watching all you stat losers on Twitter lose your fucking shit about Brighton, and then just look at what we could have had with Graham Potter, and I was like, fuck off. Um, no, the worst thing would have been Graham Potter being here, us getting like losing our first four matches, but like our XG is pretty good. And we would have had to, like, listen to that. Like, oh, we should have won these games. Making well, the argument that the rest of us normally would have made about, oh, this was unfair. The well, funny really, thing about Brighton. Best attack in the league. And uh, you have to understand that eventually the shots will even out. We'll, we'll regress back to the mean. I mean, the funny thing about Brighton is, yeah, last year they were, like, XG darlings who got unlucky. This year they've been terrible and have won three games. So... <laughs> They're it's basically like us. You can make the numbers fit whatever narrative you want. So, you know, in college football in the United States, they're already firing managers. Who would you guys want if we fire Nuno next week? I mean... Paulo Fonseca? Still... No. We should still probably hire Graham Potter if we were going to fire somebody. <laughs> next week. We're not going to do it, but we should still probably hire him. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't understand because the thing that Conte apparently you know, gave up on us over was our refusal to spend big in the transfer window. And we seemed super happy to spend big this summer. Well, yeah. So Um, unless he wants like by spending big, he means like Real Madrid or Chelsea or city like Arsenal. Well, so that's (laughs) the thing, Ben, you live with an Arsenal fan. So I don't know if you have like a more realistic appraisal of their squad than I do, which I'm very dismissive of, but like, Let's assume Arsenal, like, fire Arteta in, like, three weeks. Like, even if Arsenal's willing to spend some money, if you're Conte, I feel like that that squad has so much more work to do. Like, like you can cobble to get – like, I don't think Spurs' squad is as far off 
like we need to rebuild this as Arsenal's is. Like that, that's such a yeah. weird team. I mean, Conte is in no rush to take a job at a team again, an Arsenal team that gets so bad they hot, they fire Mikel Arteta. <laughs> like he can just sit out the season and go to a mega club next summer. Like there's no reason that he needs to settle for a club like Arsenal. But yes, they're way in way worse shape than we are squad wise. Yeah, like just so assume we sign... just assume we get rid of Nuno after the season, like which I'm not saying I want to happen, but let's just say it happens. Whoever the next manager is in, like I think there's, I mean there's not a bunch of like weird fit players there. Like probably most of these guys, another manager can figure out something to do with, or most of our good players at least. Right, we're not constructed badly in Mikel Arteta's weird image to pass the ball to nowhere. You know, we have good players that are frankly not always super well suited to Nuno's system, but a good manager might might be more interested in some of these guys, like Kanye and Dombele. Like so many other things, it's just like a less severe version of what was going on under Mourinho. Like, he'll probably use most of these guys, maybe not as well as he should, but he'll probably use them. Uh, I'm curious, because you guys are longer-tenured Spurs fans than I am. I look at Nuno's contract, and it seems to me like unless he does pretty well or like you know and I, by that i mean like solidly qualify for europa league or better or win a cup like if a better man like if pochettino gets fired by psg which i don't think is an unreasonable like thing that could happen this year i i, I could see spurs throwing Nuno over very easily next summer because they're not going to be paying him a lot of money if they fire him I don't know. Do you guys I, think they would do that? Do you, do you think we would pull – if Nuno has, like, a fine but not great season, like, we finished six, we're in the Europa League, we don't really win a cup, but, you know, it's not an embarrassing season. And there's, like, a Pochettino or someone that we think is, like, a re- – not like Potter, but, like, a real upgrade. I mean, do you think we'd go for it this off season? We would go for it? I mean, look, I think, we've done it once before. I mean, that was the whole – we've done it more one... than once, but, yeah. Well – I mean, like, look, where we had a decent manager and we we booted him because the guy that we wanted was out there, and that's the Juan de Ramos, Martin Yole situation. We did it with Harry, too. No. Harry kind of, like, signed his own death warrant. Harry made it easy, but we still, like, fired a guy who finished fourth and had time left on his deal to go hire AVB. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I mean right. I think there, there was more extenuating circumstances there than, than there were for um, Martin, Big Martin Yole. But hey, I don't think Nuno's going to be flirting with the England job anytime soon. Yeah, and you, I mean, I mean, no, he's, your he's a good fit. Mid-match. He's a good fit if, if I, you know, everything we see in England games. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if if we finish this season in like eighth place with no silverware and Pochettino or another serious manager is available. I think it would be absolute negligence not to kick the tires on it. Um, I don't even think it's. I, I think. And yeah, I mean, could, I would like us to make that. I think this team could decision. have a fine season with a Europa League, a comfortable Europa League finish, and I still think we'd do it. Like, unless he wins a trophy or just has a really good year, I think if the and I think Pochettino more so than other managers, but I think you're right. I think I, I think we'll do it because I think, I mean, they could fire him and they'd be on the hook for like two million pounds or something like that. I just really don't want Pochettino back. I just don't want to do it. I just want someone who's going to put together a coherent attacking plan. I mean, well, that's, that's not going to be Pochettino. Pochettino. Why wouldn't it be Pochettino? Well, it's an amazing I, attack under Pochettino. I, I'm just saying, I, I think if Pochettino gets fired at uh, at 
at PSG, it's going to be because he couldn't put together something coherent. I don't think, I think if Pochino, that could be true, but I think if Pochino gets fired at PSG, it'll be because he doesn't win the Champions League this year. And I don't think they're going to tolerate that when they've got Messi and Mbappe. And now maybe with, since they're going to lose Mbappe, they want some stability, but that's what, you know, if they, if they go out in like the quarterfinals or the semifinals, like, even if it's like, boy, that was tough luck. I think Pochino could very easily get fired. Man, it's been four games and one loss, and we're already dreaming of daddy coming home. I think we're always, until we get a manager who, like, I'm excited to watch the football they play, I think it's not going to change. Like, I mean, I think that's the real the real thing. You know, we talk a lot about, like, the tactics and the choices and whatever, and fundamentally, it's just that it's boring. It was so boring to watch that match. And, like, the other game has been boring, too, but this was new lows. I mean, again, zero shots in the first half boring like I, I i don't think anybody has the appetite for much more i look, look there's a level at which i'll watch. like i i if it's effective there's a level at which i will tolerate it but like you know <laughs> I, I i think in some ways you know just for talking to you about this ben like i mean I think a formative sports experience for me was the baseball team I followed lost for 14 years in a row. And I went to a lot of games and I think I really developed an ability to just look for the bright side. Like I was really able to sort of just find ways to tolerate it because I like the sport enough and I like the team enough that I'm just going to keep following because I'm a fan. And I'm, I think I do that to an extent with Spurs, but you know, I can't lie. Like I was out with some friends the night before seeing the professional wrestling, having some beers. I got home pretty late for, you know, not having socialized a whole lot for the last year and a half, woke up early, was doing some single parenting while my wife was at work while I was watching this. And that's, if I'm going to be dealing with a hangover and dealing with being tired and dealing with like a 15-month-old or 16-month-old, whatever he is by now, you know, I, I would like to see something, I mean, put aside the fact that we got like pumped by Palace, I would like to see better football. I would like to see us trying better football than that. You know, I think... Your your comment about your terrible baseball team is, I think, something that we're maybe kind of all wrestling with is just like, what are reasonable expectations for Spurs? How 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 do we be fans of a team like Spurs and enjoy the team even when it's not good? Because like we got really spoiled by how good we were under Pochettino, and before Pochettino we were not that good. And I was perfectly happy as a Spurs fan watching Martin Yole and even Wande Ramos and obviously Harry Redknapp. But, like, you know, we had exciting moments. We never thought we were challenging for the league. You know, a Champions League was a thing to dream on. You know, to finish fourth just to qualify for the Champions League was, like, an amazing achievement. And, you know, now we kind of expect it um, or at least feel like we should be fighting for it. And after the Jose Mourinho years, you know, didn't turn us into silverware winning Titans. Um, I think we're kind of all having a weird identity crisis, or at least I am. I'm, I feel like I'm definitely having an identity crisis about this team. And like, what, what should I be happy with? How, how do I be a fan of a team that's like, yeah, maybe we're just kind of okay, you know, top half team that like might fight for Europa. Like if that's where Spurs end up being for the next few years, how how do I be a fan of that club having seen what we're capable of? Well, I think and there's. Like, I have. I don't know how to do that yet. I think there's two things going on here. I think we all got teased a lot under Pochettino. I mean, I think Spurs, on balance, 
over all the years, Pochettino were here, were probably like the best team in the one of the best teams in the Premier League. Like, like he consistently had us playing excellent football. We almost certainly should have won a league title under him, which is insane to think about. And we didn't win a thing. We didn't win an FA Cup. We didn't win a League Cup. We didn't win a Europa League. We didn't win a Champions League. And I think there's an element where I think we all got kind of just teased by that, and we're looking for that kind of, you know, we're still chasing that dragon. And I think, I don't think any of us believe Mourinho was going to deliver a silverware. If he did, it would be, you know, any different than any other coach just managing to navigate a, a cup. But there was something about, like, being that good and not having that like ability to like really celebrate it, you know, in a way that I think we all wanted to. Cause I think like if we just won an FA cup, I think it would have been a huge accomplishment and maybe we wouldn't have appreciated it in, as much as we should have at the time, knowing how it all ended. But I think that's a big part of the problem. And I think the simpler end of this equation is, you know, you talked about all those teams, Ben, that were much worse than those peak Pochettino teams, but with the exception of AVB, and even under AVB, we had, like, Gareth Bale and Super Saiyan mode. Those those were all reasonably attacking teams. And, yeah, they weren't as clinical as the Pochettino teams or as well put together. But generally speaking, they were exciting, fun teams to watch. And, sure, they might bottle it against Arsenal or Chelsea, and that was, like, frustrating in its own way. But at the same time, you knew they were going to go out there and run around and probably put four past Palace or whatever. And more often than not, they put on a game that, like, you felt good about waking up at 7.30 after you'd had drinks and had to care for your small child to, like, sit and watch. You know, so we did get a measure of at least intent of for that, whereas now we're just trying to be this clinical team trying to accomplish things. So it's not fun to watch. None of us believe we're actually going to accomplish the things that we're trying to accomplish. So now, like you said, Ben, we're just sort of less stuck in neutral. And it's, like, kind of sucks. And again... Like, every conversation on this podcast, like, it is probably too early to just assume Nuno's going to suck ass for the next, like, year or two. But just the initial returns aren't promising, so. I mean, like, I think I I firmly believe, given our financial resources, where we have been very recently, the caliber of player at this club, that, like, we should be competing for the Champions League. Like, I I believe that, and I'm not ready to settle for less. But, you know, if if we do, if we have squandered this opportunity to, like, play with the big boys and, like, actually cement ourselves as, like, the fifth biggest team in England or whatever, um, and, like, we just become this team that's, like, eighth place but fun, are we capable of, like, being fans of that team again? I don't think we're going to be that. I think, you know. But, I mean, I'm saying, if we are, like, is that something that, like, we can stomach? They got to be fun. I think it is going to be disappointing, and then we'll have to adjust to it. And I think the thing that would make that spoonful of sugar go down is like you know we could be failures like Lester has make that spoonful of medicine go down. Whatever you know what I mean. Uh, (laughs) We could be like Lester and be massive failures. You can't get it done on the last day of the season like they are under Brendan Rodgers. But at least they won an FA Cup last year, which just papered over a whole lot of cracks. And I'll tell you if. If we're just this sort of efficient kind of meh team this year, but we win an FA Cup, like I'll be a lot more forgiving about that than I would be if we just like finish sixth, we're all right, you know, finish fifth, had a chance at the Champions League, but didn't quite do. You know what I mean? It's so I think there's a level at which silverware does play into this, and I think you know, even though I think we're past the point, I think under Mourinho you still had a little bit of like watching that Pochettino team do something even if it was under another manager you know now it's just 
I just want that high. I don't want, like, even if it's not going to, like, be with the guys that I'd like to see win it, it's like, I just want to win something just to feel, see what it feels like, and I kind of don't care how we get there. But, yeah, like, you know, if we win an occasional trophy and we're fun to watch and we're in the Europa League spots, like, you know, there's probably a level we would adjust to that. But I don't, I think largely you're right. Like, that's not going to be satisfying. We, This is a team that at a minimum needs to be where we were in 2012, where, we're competing for champ for fourth at least deep into the season. Brian, what would make you happy about this team? Um, if we won the Premier League, <laughs> is that is that your floor? <laughs> yeah, your I think that's the I think that's bottom line. Honestly, uh, no, I don't know. I, I I think we have to be realistic. I think we, you know, we're we're just in a weird spot with where we've been under the last couple of managers and. Um, you know, we, we overperformed or, or we had a manager that, that made us greater than the sum of our parts for a number of years. And I think we spent a lot of those years talking about how, well, you know, look financially, we're actually like probably should be the sixth best team or something like that. And then, you know, that's kind of now where we're back to. Um, and so I think, you know, at a minimum, you know, finishing in the top six again i don't need a trophy for this for for me to be happy about this i think you know what i would like more than anything is to kind of enjoy turning on the matches every week and 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 look i was enjoying winning one nil i was i was a lot happier about it than a lot of people were than like specifically like specifically you ben i was a lot happier (laughs) about it than you were about winning those matches so you know my thing is is you winning matches regardless of the style is a cure for a lot of ills and i would just really like if we started winning matches and yeah it would be great if we won them all you know 5-1 or 4-2 or whatever or 4-0 whatever um but just just to go out there and, and and get some points on the board and and to not have to suffer through these tedious tedious matches against teams that we are definitely better than uh, you know, like the Watford game, which we ended up winning, but or or like this Crystal Palace match. Like, I, I would just like to to enjoy turning on the football on a Saturday or Sunday. At least we have the Conference League. It's probably the best match we've had all year <laughs> when we beat the hell out of that Portuguese side. So, I mean, that's the thing is like a lot of people are like really cynical about like shitty European competition, which is usually meant the Europa League, and now it means something worse. But at the very least, those Thursdays. <laughs> Have usually been fun yeah, until you lose to Zagreb. You get to, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's fun watching this be fun, and like that has been kind of a rare breath of fresh air over the last few years, where we get to actually see that and enjoy that. I mean, we're at this weird, and we've been there for a while because it's not just the rebuild of the squad. We're at this point where like the stadium has been built. Fun. You'd think once the pandemic's like over in you know a decade or whatever the hell that's going to be. You'd think that would, like, it's going to change the way we operate. We're starting to turn over the squad. You know, we have Nuno as our manager now, who's probably going to be better than Mourinho. But, you know, is, I don't know about you guys, certainly feels like a transitional manager to me. Like, we're just using him until something better comes along. It's We're in this weird transition state. And it's, it's going to be strange, because I think certainly being in and around the Champions League is what, I mean, Levy said it, but I think that's clearly the goal. Um, you know, you saw how much trouble we were, ha- we were having bringing in players because we weren't in the Champions League this year. And 
I think that's the goal for the team, and that's probably at a minimum where I would like the team to be. But it's just, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard to get there. It's hard to get back there. There's a lot. There's a lot to fix. It, it fell apart under Pochino in a bad way, and we made it worse when we hired Mourinho. So there's a lot of damage to sort of patch up there, and it, it looks like we're making progress in doing it. To be fair, to be entirely fair to the team, I mean, there was a lot of positive signs this transfer window, um, and. It's still too early to say about the season. I, I know we're coming across as very dour about everything, but that was not a fun match. So, Brian, do you have any final thoughts about the state of the team? You know, if we beat Chelsea next weekend, we'll be in a whole lot better mood. So, <laughs> <laughs> If we beat Chelsea next weekend, I'll be in a real good mood. So we can talk, maybe on the next show, after the Chelsea victory, we can talk about how long of a contract we would like Nuno to sign, whether a four-year would be enough or if we should just go ahead and give him, like, a 10-year deal. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Look, uh, it's our job to talk about Spurs, and so we get to be reactionary. So, job, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No one pays us to do this. We do this for fun. Yeah, isn't this enjoyable fun. for all of you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's so, the yeah, other so... thing about this. Like, I would like... Like, do you guys remember how much fun it was to talk about this team? Like, under and I know that like we bitched a lot about this these teams that were very good under Pochettino, but like it didn't feel like a chore. Not that talking to you guys feels like a chore, but it's not as fun as it used to be. I think it's great. I, I love talking to you guys. Really, <laughs> really, man. It's <laughs> the nicest thing Ben's ever said to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just. It, Maybe we'll maybe we will win two matches in the next few days, and then everything will be sunshine and rainbows uh, this time next week. I hope so. Ben, you have any final thoughts? <laughs> I, I barely had an initial thought. There we um, go. Where where can people find you on the internet, Ben? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade Uspers. And Brian, where on Twitter with a Y can people find you? Find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. You have to change your username to other Brian now. So. I, I may do it. I will see. We'll see <laughs> if I can. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter.com talking about other other Brian at um, Skipjack0079. Don't forget to follow our podcast at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Uh, for Ben, for Brian. For other Brian, and of course for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.